Welcome to Encompass Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us today. To share your story of what God has been doing in you and through you, take a moment to email us at amen at encompass.org.au. Enjoy today's message. Hello, why don't you take your seat? I brought my water with me today because uh, just as you are feeling a little bit hot, I, it's even hotter up here. So can you, be, can you be kind to me today? Can you give me some feedback? If, if there's something that I say that you kind of think that's for you, just go, yeah, that's good, something like that. Uh, that way I know you're not just like nodding off to sleep. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's true what my mum said about um, me as a teenager. They really feared for me. They feared that I was um, going to really go off the rails and because I was a very strong um unkind person <laughs> and until God grabbed a hold of my life. So if you are, you know, if you've got teenagers and you fear for them, sometimes you're in good company. Some of us just need Jesus a lot. <laughs> I was one of those people. Uh, so anyway, today is the last week um, of this series, uh, The Elimination of Hurry. And it is the last week, but if this series has really, uh, really spoken to you, it's been really good for you, I'd really recommend uh, the book. It's called uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. They've also put up there by John Mark Comer. And uh, he just is able to, he just goes into so much depth of how we can unhurry our lives and be more like Jesus. And also, it's a great book to read while you're on holidays as well, because it's all about slowing down. It's really good, a really good read. Um, so let's recap. Week one, Pastor, Jay, Pastor Jason spoke about the problem. The problem with hurry is that love um, and hurry are incompatible. We cannot love well. We cannot give our attention well if we're distracted and so busy. Week two, Pastor John shared the solution. The solution is not more time. There's no more time. The solution is uh, to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. And so I'm going to continue on that today. The key scripture that we've been talking about is in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. So let's have a read of that. I think this is the NIV version. It says, come to me, this is Jesus talking, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So a yoke uh, is an instrument that joins two oxen together so that together they can carry a load. So together they can pull a cart or plow a field, but together they are strong. So what the yoke is talking about is how we carry a load. How heavy or light does that load or that burden feel? That's what yoke means. In the message version, it says it like this. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion. So are you following Jesus and yet you're still so exhausted? Come to me, get away with me and you will recover your life. I will show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the, we have to learn, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Jesus says here, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you Keep company with me and you will learn, learn to live freely and lightly. Today I'm going to close this series with a message called Rhythms of Grace. 
rhythms of grace, how Jesus teaches us that we too can live freely and lightly. Why don't we quickly pray? Lord, we just uh, bring today to you, God. I pray that, Lord, that you reveal this mystery of an easy yoke. You reveal this mystery of how we can carry our burdens lightly. We pray, Lord, for those that are here that are carrying a heavy burden. I pray that, Lord, today that you would reveal yourself to them, what they can do, how they can walk with you, God, so that they can experience this freedom in you that you promise to us in Jesus' name. Amen. So just recently, our, our family went on a holiday to Queensland and we almost, we didn't make the flight. Uh, we were running a bit late that day. We were feeling a bit rushed. Uh, we were in Terminal 4 uh, and that is the Jetstar, that kind of, that, that, that terminal. So we only had about 15 minutes uh, left of boarding by the time we got all the way to our gate. You know what I'm talking about? It's a long walk to, to the gates. So we were feeling flustered because uh, not only did we have our two girls, a three-year-old and an eight-month-old, uh, we also had four carry-on bags. What were we thinking? Everything took longer. Everything was just, yeah. So anyway, by the time we get to our gate, only 15 minutes left till the plane is going to leave. And to my horror, just as we're walking to the gate, I was feeling my pockets. <gasps> I've left my phone in the toilets all the way back in the food court, which is the furthest away from the gate you can pretty much get. So we said, okay, I'm going to take one bag and I'm going to run. It was about a five-minute run to the toilets. So Jay stayed with the, with the two girls, the three bags, and I run to the toilets. I get to the toilets. The phone is not there. I am freaking out. I'm like, I have ruined our holiday uh, Jace is going to kill me. I'm scrambling. Then I'm like, okay, wait, what, who else can I talk to? I talked to a cleaner, then I went to security, who then pointed me to the, to the right person who does uh, lost property. Thankfully, the lady who found my phone handed it into security. And thankfully, I had a photo of myself and Harley on the, front, on the screen saver. So they just handed, they were waiting for me. They just handed me my phone and I ran back. I'm thinking I had five minutes left till the plane was going to leave and five minute run back. I'm like, I'm just going to make it. So I start running. I get to the terminal and I find Jace had followed me with the two girls and the three bags. He came to help me. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> so now we have two girls, four bags, five minutes to get to our, our plane is going to leave, but it's a 10, 15 minute walk. So I'm like, all right, I'll take two bags I'll run and I'll try and get them to wait for us. And Jace, with the two girls and the two bags, you just get there as fast as you can. So I run there. They're calling final boarding call for Alyssa Newcastle, Jason Newcastle, Harley Newcastle, Amara Newcastle. We finally, I finally, I get there right on the dot. And they're like, we're leaving. And I'm like, no, you can't. They're like, are you ready to get on the plane without your family? No, like, are you kidding? I'm like, literally, are you kidding me? I'm like, he's coming. I promise I was begging them. I was promising them he's going to appear any moment. He wasn't appearing. I'm like, where is he? I'm like, he's going to be there. He's going to, oh, he wasn't there. But eventually I saw him, eventually. And they're saying, we're going, we're going. This is Jetstar. And, uh, and finally, I see him and he's like, 
he's like, you know, almost dropping Amara in one hand. Harley had just three-year-old. She had like, you know, stopped walking. So she was hanging off the other arm. The two bags are on his back and he was struggling. But all I could think about was, we've got to get on this plane. So I'm shouting at him from across the way. I reckon it was, it was further, probably the, from the back of the actual church, the foyer area. I'm like, hurry up! Why aren't you running? I'm like, the plane is going to leave. Like, I'm just shouting at him, hurry up, come now, run! And I... Uh, <laughs> Hurry and love are incompatible and we did not talk for about two hours after we actually got on the plane. But what we learned that day is that life has burdens and that day our burdens were Harley and Amara. But what made carrying these burdens so much harder was the fact that we were in a hurry. It was the fact that we had no margin and therefore, there was no grace in it. There was, there was no room. And on top of that, we had all this excess burden that we shouldn't have had that made it so much harder to carry our burdens. The way we carry our burdens, the way we carry our burdens, not the fact that we have burdens, the way we carry our burdens, whether we do it Jesus' way or the world's way, determines the weight that it has determines whether it will feel heavy or it will feel light. Whether we have a hurried lifestyle, one or one that slows down to be with Jesus, it will determine the weight of that burden. You see, I think Jesus knew. He knew that how our responsibilities, how things in life would weigh us down and it would feel too heavy. And so he doesn't take away the burdens. He doesn't say, I'm going to take away that yoke. I'm going to take away that burden. He says, I'm going to offer you a different way of living. I'm going to offer you a different way of shouldering and carrying that burden. You see, many of us want the life of Jesus. We want his peace. We want his joy. But we don't want to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. We want the life, but not the lifestyle. When in fact, this is the secret to the easy yoke. This is the secret, that his lifestyle enabled him to carry life lightly. It was his lifestyle that was slower and more deliberate than ours was. So is there anyone out there today that's feeling a little bit weighed down, a little bit tired from carrying the burdens of life? This is an invitation for you, an invitation for me to learn to learn the rhythms of grace, to learn how to be empowered by him so that we can learn to carry life well, to carry life differently. So we're going to talk today about the the top or three practices for unhurrying our lives. Three practices for unhurrying our lives. Now, I'm going to give lots of suggestions and lists, but it is not legalistic, okay? So where you start, what you decide to try, what works for you is up to you, okay? I'm just going to put some stuff out there and you can see what fits for you. So number one, what does Jesus show us of how to live? Number one is silence and solitude. Silence and solitude could be one of the most, could be the most important rhythm that Jesus shows us, but perhaps the hardest to practice. Solitude is setting time to be alone with Jesus with no distractions. The problem is that we don't know how to sit still. (laughs) 
Do you remember the last time that you were bored? I mean, we don't even know how to be bored anymore. We have effectively eliminated boredom because every time we feel awkward, every time we have to wait, every time we sit on our own, what do we grab? Our phones. So we don't do stillness, we do distraction. Now, the problem with that is is without the ability to practice solitude, it is impossible to have a relationship with Jesus. And it is impossible to live a spiritual life. There are no exceptions to this rule. Without time alone, there is no relationship. It's the same with your marriage. It's the same with your children. Without time alone, there is no relationship. There is a difference between being around God and being alone with God. And so our churches can be full on Sunday, people who are around God. But many, many of us struggle to sit with God alone. Jesus, he shows us this rhythm of silence and solitude in his life. So let's look to him. In Mark chapter 1, he is beginning his first day of full-time ministry, full-time work. And it says that he's preaching in the synagogue, he's healing people, he's casting out spirits from from, uh, morning all the way till late at night. He's had a huge day. And it says in verse 35, Mark 1, 35, very early in the morning, so the next morning after this, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house, he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Now this, this word, this Greek word for the word solitary place is eremos. You all want to say that? Eremos. Which can be translated as a deserted place. It was an uninhabited place. So he was alone and it was a quiet place. It was, it was quiet. It was no noise. So our solitude is not the same as being just alone. It's not just the same as isolation. Solitude is opening ourselves up to God. It is receiving nourishment and, and feeding our soul. Isolation, on the other hand, is where we withdraw. We're not opening up where we're closing off to God and to people. Isolation can feel lonely, but solitude is where we feel most connected and strongest in God. So Jesus knew the most important time of the day wasn't breakfast. It wasn't his workout. It was time alone with the Father. So in Luke chapter 5, things are getting even more hectic for Jesus. It says, even though he was trying to get people to stay quiet about him and not tell too many people, it says the news about Jesus spread all the more so that crowds of people would come to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. So people, are, are, crowds are banging down doors to try and get to Jesus. He is popular. He is in demand. But it says in verse 16, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So the busier, the more in demand that Jesus got, the more famous he became, the more he withdrew the more he spent time with the Father. Now, usually we do the opposite, right? The busier, even this time of year, the busier we get, our quiet time is the first to go, not our first go-to. And so we do the opposite. But Jesus knew, yes, I am physically tired from working, but emotionally and spiritually, I need to be filled up again. I need more nourishment. I need more strength. I need more grace to carry the burden of his calling. And God wants to do the same for us. He wants to equip us with more grace, more strength, more power so we can carry the weight of our burdens and our life. 
Are you receiving that nourishment and that strength from God every day? Are you withdrawing to spend time with Jesus? I know it's not easy to find a quiet place. It's not easy. Silence isn't easy. Silence requires us to shut off internal and external sounds. So external noise is easier. That's shutting off background noise, music, uh, our phones, being away from people, okay? A little bit more in our control. But internal sounds or internal noise is much harder to shut off. That is the internal chatter in our mind. It's the the, the to-do lists. That's why I'm planning the day, you know? Um, it's, the, it's the toxic thoughts, it's the fantasizing of, of, of what happened to you and, and replaying stuff in your mind from the past. It's, it's that, that, that mental clutter in our mind that we can't seem to be free of, but we have to shut it off if we're going to be still with Jesus. Now, you might think, well, it's easy for you pastors. You get paid to spend time with Jesus, don't you? We don't. You know, it's been a lot of trial and error for me uh, after having um, even, our, even my second child, Amara, this year. I've had to, I'm not, a, anyone a morning person here, you just find it really easy to wake up? Some of you do, not many. I am not, I'm, I'm like the rest of you. I do not find it easy to wake up uh, early. So I have had to slowly and gradually push my, or wake, get it waking up time to now 6 a.m., because if I don't do that, I will not have adequate time to be with Jesus. So I started at like 6.45, 6.30, 6.15, and now we're at 6. And it's now become a new normal, and I love it. But it was hard. It was a struggle to get there. But to me, it's the only way I can have silence in, in my household. It's the only way that we can have that before the kids wake up. So why should we practice this habit? What what does it do to our soul? Let me give you a few things because maybe you've never experienced it before. Number one is we have time to decompress. We have time. So I'm not talking about a 10-minute devotion. I'm talking about time to sit with Jesus, time to decompress and breathe in God's goodness before the circus of our lives begins, before who knows what is going to happen that day. Number two, we start to process our feelings rather than bury them, deny them, have no idea why we're feeling what we're feeling. We start to process our feelings with God rather than escape them through cheap fixes like Netflix and pornography and alcohol and just scrolling through social media. We actually process what is going on inside of us. Number three, from that, we face the good, the bad and the ugly in our hearts in a safe place, in a safe place, rather than it unconsciously leaking out onto those that we love. Because there is good and ugly in our heart and it does come out of us onto those we love. And most importantly, we hear God's voice cut through the other noise. We hear his voice speak his love and his faithfulness and his calling over us. And number five, we start to live from a deep, secure place rather than living from the surface of our lives that easily gets tired, fatigued, and triggered by what happens. We start to live from a deep, secure place. We live from an emotionally healthy and spiritually healthy place that isn't rocked by circumstances as much. So let's bring back quiet time. 
let's bring it back. It's a place of freedom. It's a place of rest. It is a place of strength. It's where we learn to focus our attention on Jesus for longer than eight seconds. So here's to tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., 7 a.m., 8 a.m. Make a coffee, read a psalm, read a chapter of the gospel, sit with Jesus in silence, pray to him what's on your heart. Just be aware of his presence, tune in to his voice. You know, for me, maybe, maybe I'll hear a word from God tomorrow. Maybe my mind will settle, but maybe it won't. Maybe I'll just process with God something that's really bothering me. But it's okay, because I'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place, and I'll be starting my day with Jesus. It's relationship. It's not always going to be the same. So number one is Sabbath, uh, solitude and silence. Number two is Sabbath. Sabbath. So this is the second rhythm that helps us to unhurry our life uh, and ultimately helps us to carry life lighter. So Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat. Shabbat. And it's a word that literally means to stop. To stop. It is simply a 24-hour period where we stop working we stop wanting, we stop warring, we just stop. Now, our culture doesn't know how to stop. There is always something else to do, something else to achieve. And we, we always feel like things are unfinished. I can't stop till I finish, but things that never get finished. How many of you stop at stop signs? Be honest. A few of you. The rest of us don't. <laughs> many of us don't even think to stop at stop signs. We don't want anything. We slow down, but we don't stop the car. Uh, you know, it says in uh, Hebrews 4 verse 11, I think this is great. It says, uh, let us try as hard as we can to enter God's rest. And it is talking about the Sabbath. Try as hard as you can. Rest does not come naturally. We have to try hard to enter this Sabbath rest. Now, Jesus had a rhythm of Sabbath. He had a rhythm of this in his life. So one time he's, he's, the Pharisees are giving him a hard time and this is what he says to them. He says in Mark chapter 2, 27, he says the Sabbath was, was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. What he's saying is, is that the Sabbath was created, it was designed by God himself to be a gift to mankind. It is for us. It is a gift for us to be enjoyed now, this was a practice as old as creation. So in Genesis chapter 2, God himself set it up. Uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 2 to 3, it says, By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy. Okay, it means that he set it apart from the other six days. It is not the same. He, because on it, he rested from all the work that, of creating that he had done. God rested. You may say, but I'm an extrovert. I have a demanding job. You don't understand. I have little kids at home. God rested. How can we think that we don't need to rest? God built a rhythm into the DNA of creation God worked for six, he rested for one. 
You know, once you work a certain number of hours, do you know that our productivity plummets? Do you know how many hours that is? It's 50 hours, a six-day work week. So Sabbath is not just a good idea. It is a God invention. It comes from him. You fight it, you fight God. You fight God, you fight your own souls. You embrace it, you experience health and life. But when we fight it, when we suppress it, when we ignore it, uh, when we make excuses for it, uh, we reap the consequences. What happens? Our minds become restless, distracted, lethargic, uncreative. Our body becomes tired easily. We live from fatigue. Uh, We get sick yet again. And often we keep pushing and pushing until something else takes us out. A health problem, a car accident. Something forces us to stop because we will not stop. In 2018, I was 31 years old and I had been in ministry for eight years full time. And I got to this point, and I've explained a little bit about other stuff that was going on at the time, but on top of, uh, the, I guess, the, the people issues that I had and, and the pain that was going on, I also was working nonstop. I was working nonstop. We were out, Jason and I were out most nights of the week. Um, on, even on my days off, I couldn't, my, I couldn't switch my mind off. Every Saturday felt like just this adrenaline dump, this adrenaline hangover. And I just couldn't enjoy anything. Uh, The only thing that I looked forward to was our four-week holidays that we would go overseas once a year. That's what I looked forward to in life. This this burden of ministry felt so heavy. And I, I thought, maybe this is just the way it is. I had seen other bigger, successful churches almost like glorify this workaholic lifestyle in ministry. And it was quite confusing, but deep down, I'm like, something isn't right. Why does life have to be so hard? And I just didn't feel, you know, when I read this verse of the easy yoke, it was like a mystery to me. I'm like, God, I understand a lot of other scripture, but this one, I had no idea what that meant and how I could achieve that. No matter how much time I spent with Jesus, it just wasn't enough. I was burnt out. My, my need to achieve my need to control, to try and prove myself, uh, was, was destroying, was, was damaging my soul. And, and life just felt really heavy and hard. And maybe for you, you've been there before, or maybe that's how you feel now, that life just feels heavy and hard. There is something in our human condition that makes us want to rebel against limitations, that wants us to not want to accept that maybe we can't carry it this way anymore. So because of this dysfunction and this addiction to work and not rest, God has to actually command us to do it. He has to command us to Sabbath. He has to command us to do something that is actually life-giving, rest. He has to command it in the Ten Commandments. It's in there Uh, in Exodus 20 verse 8 to 11. It says, remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. In other words, it's a day set apart for him. On it you shall not do any work, nor anyone in your household, no chores, nothing. 
For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. So we are not talking about a day off where you still run around and do things around the house, catch up on things, do the laundry, do the shopping, pay the bills. Uh, Sabbath is different. All we do on the Sabbath is stop, rest, delight, and worship. So let's talk about those. Number one is stop. On the Sabbath, we stop. This cut uh, to the core of my problem back in 2018. I had started to learn about emotionally healthy spirituality, uh, which is a core part of what we do in Accelerate now. I had started learning about the easy yoke of Jesus. I learned that life didn't have to be this hard. I learned about the Sabbath and I knew I needed to make a change. But when I tried to Sabbath, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop. Even when I tried, I failed. And so Jason and I, for months, tried so hard to enter that rest. We had to try so hard. It did not come naturally. And I learned, exposed, that I couldn't trust God with my life. I was holding on so tightly to my ministry, to my responsibilities, and I just couldn't let go. Slowly, slowly, over time, we learned how to let go and to Sabbath, and it was it was wonderful. It is wonderful. But here's what stopping has taught me and is constantly teaching me and what it can also do for you. Number one, by practicing Sabbath, I learn to embrace my limits. I learn that I am not a, a human doing. I am a human being. I am not a machine. I, am, I have to embrace my humanity. I have limits. Number two, I learn to trust God deeply and fully. By stopping, I declare that God is God. He is indispensable, but I am not. And when I stop, when I, my world will not fall apart. The world will not fall apart when I stop doing. It takes me off the throne of my life and it reassures me that God is in fact on the throne and he is taking care of me. I learn by stopping, number three, that my identity and worth don't come from doing. It doesn't come from how I perform or how busy I am and how important I seem. It comes from how I am loved and accepted by Jesus. And number four, I learn that I am not a slave to worry, to fear or to work. I am not a slave that works seven days a week. I am loved and valued by God and I am free. I am free, I am not a slave, so I can stop working. This is a rhythm of grace, is it not? This is a rhythm of grace. Can you trust that God is at work? That when you stop, that God is at work holding your universe together. He is holding it all together. Every Sabbath, it reminds us to be still and to know that He is God not us, and to stop worrying about tomorrow. So the core spiritual issue in stopping is trust. So number two, once we stop, we are called to rest. So Jesus stopped and then it says he rested. So this could be like taking a nap, sleeping in, going for a slow walk, uh, making the morning slow, something like that. 
It could be whatever feels restful for you. For us with young kids that always wake up on seven on the dot, for us it's a slow morning. It's a slow morning where we've got nowhere to be <laughs> too early. It's, it's, it's unlike every other day. We drink coffee, we make pancakes, and it's just a beautiful slow morning. No one's getting angry at anyone. It's just nice and slow. Yeah. So do what's restful for you. Number three is delight. So after Jesus, uh, after God rested over, he says he delighted, delighted over it. He saw that it was good. This day we're supposed to see all that is good that is in our life and, and enjoy it. So this should feel like a once a week holiday. It should feel like the thing that we look forward to every week is our Sabbath. We can enjoy everyday ordinary life experiences without hurry. Again, like making a coffee, making a nice dinner together, going for a walk just slowing down to enjoy what we already have, spending uninterrupted time with people without rushing to this, that, this, that, just not trying to fit something in, but actually enjoying it slowly. Jesus often had long lunches and dinners with people. Do whatever is fun and playful for you, whether it's playing sports or playing with your kids or gardening or art or reading. If you're married, you can have sex. It's a good day to do it. You know, we are so fun deficient as a culture, even as, as people in church, we have to learn how to have fun, delight in all that is good in our life. Number four is worship. Worship could be coming to church. It could be uh, worshiping and serving God. But it's not just that. It's, it's having extra time to spend in solitude with God. I remember before kids, I would spend hours sometimes just studying the word and just being in God's presence and worship. It's harder to do now. But I remember those days. It was wonderful. You know, it's being more aware, slowing down enough to, to see God in all that he's given you and, all, and everywhere he is around you. So where, where can you start? If you've never done Sabbath before, where do you start? It could be just choose one day a week, clear your schedule, and put your phone away. <laughs> On this day, start to enjoy what you already have. You don't have to go and buy more things. Just enjoy, have time to enjoy what God has already given you. Enjoy ordinary life. Again, you don't even have to spend much money. Just enjoy ordinary life. Uh, without distraction. Stop, rest, delight and worship in, in whatever way is life-giving for you. Gardening could be absolute chore for one person, but it's life-giving to someone else. Do what works for you. Now, the Sabbath, like I said before, will take time to master. It takes time. It's a, it's a practice. It's a skill. It, it, it takes time, a trial and error to work out what works for you. You may try something and go, oh, that was awful. I caught up with those people. Oh, they were draining. <laughs> you start to learn what is life-giving and refreshing for your soul. Uh, and also we have to keep adapting as the seasons change as well of our life. And lastly, we're going to, so Sabbath is the last one. And then this last one here is a new spiritual discipline that has had to emerge, I suppose, because of the, the pace of our lifestyles. And it's called slowing slowing. So we've done solitude and silence, Sabbath, and now this last one of, of the way of Jesus is slowing. And this uh, habit, this spiritual discipline is simply uh, developing patience by deliberately putting ourselves in positions where we have to wait, putting ourselves in positions where we have to slow down. 
So I'm going to give you some ideas. I've got 11 suggestions. Um, and it might seem a bit extreme and shocking to you. So only do it. Again, it's not legalistic. Only do it if it gives you some joy to do it. Okay. All right. Number one, this is going to be really hard for some of you, but drive the speed limit. <laughs> drive the speed limit. Are you in a hurry? Hopefully not. So drive the speed limit. Don't go too slow, though. I'm not saying go, go on the speed limit. <laughs> uh, number two, get into the left lane. Some people just drive in the right. I do that too sometimes, and I'm really trying to get more into the. Why am I in a hurry so much? Why do I need to overtake everyone? Get into the left lane. Turn the radio off, suggestion, and just talk to the person you're with or talk to God. That's something we've started doing over the last few months, and it's, it's really good to have that space in your day to find God. Number three, stop at stop signs. Number four, don't text and drive. Again, it's illegal, but I think it needs to be said, don't touch your phone while you're driving. Just leave it there. Show up 10 minutes early to an appointment and learn how to be awkward again. <laughs> just show up, put your keep your phone in your pocket and, and just look at people, look around you, what's around you. Look at someone who maybe needs someone to talk to. Uh, you know, read something or, you know, pray. Find God in that moment while you're waiting. Uh, number six, turn your smartphone into a dumb phone. <laughs> turn off notifications for everything. I've done that recently. Everything is off. Uh, get rid of the news. Get rid of all apps that don't save you time. Go through your phone. Hide or get rid of your social media apps so it's harder to find on your phone. And this can make a huge difference. A lot of our staff have done this and it's making a huge difference. Number seven, only check or turn your phone on after morning quiet time. So don't let the news, don't let uh, what people are saying to you or not saying to you determine the mood of your day. <laughs> let God's word do that. Let his voice do that. As well as we waste so much time scrolling when we could be spending time with God. Okay. Uh, number eight, set time limits for TV, social media and email. Uh, something that we started doing uh, probably at the start of the year and it took us a while to actually stick to it but now we do is we do not uh, watch TV past uh, 9.30. We just turn the TV off and whether we you know, do something else, we just don't watch any more TV and that limits how much TV we're watching but it also ensures that we have this rhythm of waking up early. Yes, we have late nights, but if it's one here and there, it's different if, than it's if it's every night that we're going to bed at 11, 12. It's going to be very hard to wake up at 6. So, yeah, set time limits. Number nine, don't multitask. Because multitasking is actually a myth. We don't multitask, we divide our attention. <laughs> so decide you're going to give full attention to things and see how you go. Number 10, take up journaling. Writing down thoughts uh, and observations of your life is actually very grounding and therapeutic to see our life from the outside. Number 11 is to take long holidays. Make a commitment that you're going to take all your leave every year as, a, as a, a spiritual discipline of rest, that you are going to rest. You see, life is right under our noses, waiting to be enjoyed. If we would just slow down and see what God has given us and where He is in our lives.
I'm gonna close and I'm gonna invite the worship team to come up. You see, all these practices are a means to an end. They are not the pinnacle. They are a means to an end to lead us back to Jesus, to lead us back to our true selves, to lead us to worship, to rest, to being present, to being loving to people that God has placed in our lives. It's a practice, it's not perfection. (laughs) There will always be a gravitational pull back into hurry. And so when you fall back into hurry, which you will, which I do, we just begin again. We don't have to feel guilt. We don't have to feel shame. We just begin again. We find God. We find peace. We find ourselves again in His presence. So we have to fight for a good soul. We have to try hard to enter that rest, that lightness that God offers us. We have to fight for an easy yoke, a lighter burden, more peace, more rest, more focus, more time for what really matters, increased capacity for the hard things that will come up in life that we don't expect. Less work, less busy, but more meaningful. Less, but lighter. How many of you desire that this morning? Jesus invites us to his rhythm of grace. Why don't we pray? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I believe that God is calling out to those today who do not know him, who have been carrying life's burdens without him because you do not know Him yet. You've never invited Him to be in your life. You do not have relationship with Him. And when we try to carry life on our own, when we try to follow ourselves, it's exhausting. It's exhausting to try and follow ourselves because we don't know where we're going. There's no life, there's no rest, there's no purpose, there's no peace. And maybe today you find yourselves here searching for someone to follow searching for someone to give you life and life abundantly. And that is a promise of Jesus, that He wants to give that to you. And and the first step in that journey towards life and peace is salvation. It is asking Jesus to be the Lord of your life, choosing to follow Him and not self anymore. And so today, if you are here and that's you, I'm here to tell you that the striving can end, the guilt can end, the needing to be perfect to somehow find God can end. Because the good news is is that Jesus already paid the price so that you could come to Him. You don't have to pay the price. He already did it. Jesus died on the cross over 2,000 years ago so that you would be free of sin. He died for your sin so that you could be clean so that you could be right with Him. So when that day came that you you chose to choose Him, to come to Him, that you would be able to do that with no shame and no guilt. There is a free way straight to Him, into His presence. And so today, if that's you and you wanna run to Jesus, you wanna choose Jesus, you wanna make Him Lord of your life, you want a relationship with Him, 
would you respond today just by putting up your hands so that I can pray with you? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you at the front. I just want to pray for you where you are in your seats. And we're all going to pray together. And no one's going to point you out, but this is between you and God. If you want to respond to Jesus today, say, I want to make a decision to follow Jesus today. If this is your moment to do that, there's no pressure. This is between you and God. If that's what you want to do today, this is your invitation from God Himself. He says, come to me. Come to me. He's calling to you. If that's you today, would you raise your hand to say, that's me. That's me, Alyssa. I want to ask Jesus to be Lord of my life. You'll know it's you because you'll feel like your heart is beating really fast and you'll feel like what I just said is just for you. So if that is for you, just one more chance, one more time. If that's you, would you raise your hand to say, that's me, Alyssa, please pray for me. I don't want to miss out. Now is my time to come to Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, that your word, Lord, is true. And Lord, that you stand there waiting. Your your word says that you knock at the door of our heart. And God, I pray, Lord, that there would be a softness and openness to you, God. Lord, for those that don't yet know you, God, I pray that, Lord, even this week, they would sense a drawing, a Lord, from you, a drawing near from you, God, and that they would be open to draw back to you, God. We thank you, Jesus, that you are at work. We thank you, Jesus, that you are always working. You are always moving in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you all stand to your feet? Thanks for listening to this week's message from Encompass Church. If today's message has impacted you and you want to give your life to Jesus, if you need prayer or if you want to get connected to the church, please contact us at office at encompass.org.au. Never miss a moment by following us online. Search for Encompass Church on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.